This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 104, recorded live on the 16th of November, 2017, at the Society of Camp Directors Dinner. On today's show, Unplug at Camp, a keynote presentation from Camp Hacker Dan Weir. If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or most other places you get your favorite podcasts. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored by camp pros like you who support the show on Patreon. If you've taken away even one thing from the Camp Hacker podcast, you can show your support for the show for as little as $1 per episode. That's right, even $1 a month plays a part in the production of every Camp Hacker podcast, and it helps us reach camp pros all around the world. For chipping in, you'll get some great rewards too, just like a Kickstarter campaign. Please go to patreon.com forward slash camphacker. We want to give a special shout out to these new patrons who've helped cover the cost of producing this Camp Hacker episode. Seth Hauser and Elise Bates-Russell, thanks for letting your awesome out, Camp Mavericks. And hey, just a couple of production notes before we get to the show. We recorded this one live, so please excuse the occasional fork hitting the salad plate. As well, Dan was gracious enough to share his slide deck with us for his presentation. It has some great quotes, stats, and examples of how he's helping the campers at Frost Valley unplug. It's definitely worth checking out. Head over to camphacker.tv forward slash podcast to find the presentation in this episode's show notes. And we'll get you started right away with Travis's introduction of Dan. Enjoy! I'm going to choose to use the microphone. Uh, I've been saying in the last couple of years that I can't go back to being a camp director because I can't hear your rooms like this anymore. And I don't think it would be very effective as a camp director in a big empty room with lots of people meeting and talking. So I want to take a minute to introduce you to my friend Dan. Dan is on the Camp Hacker podcast with Joe and Gavin and I, and we've been doing shows since uh, 2008, nine years now since we started doing shows together. I was introduced to Dan, and as many of you know, I've been involved in helping camps do and understand social media, take part in social media, and Dan is my first met on Twitter friend. Uh, when I first got on Twitter, Dan and I were some of the only people talking about summer camp on Twitter, and we became friends there, and then when it came time for us to start a podcast, I went straight to Dan and said, Dan, what do you do with me? I have some other people that I will get to come and join us too. Uh, so it's been my pleasure to learn from Dan now for almost 10 years. I appreciate that he shares his wisdom about the industry. I think he's very smart about it. Uh, and if you get a chance to talk to Dan about the work that he does at the Frost Valley YMCA in upstate New York, they have an amazing program, 5,500 acres, 120 year-round staff, and some crazy number of campers in the summer. That uh, I can't over 4,000. Over 4,000 campers in the summer. Um, and Dan is the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. And it's my pleasure to welcome him here to the Society tonight, where he's going to be talking about his master's thesis, which is called Unplug at Camp. Thank you. Thank you. I'll use the microphone as well too so you can eat your salad. So the slideshow is going to, um, that's booming mic right there. So uh, the slideshow is going to be pretty interactive. So if you need to adjust your chairs so you can actually see it, 
um, by all means take that moment right now. As Travis said in the introduction, um, I work at Frost Valley YMCA, just celebrated my 21st summer working there. So I oversee the overnight camping. Um, we have eight overnight, 800 overnight campers a day on site, and we have an additional 200 day campers. Um, and then I also do the Camp Packer podcast with the gang. I, uh, I'm on the ACA, New York, New Jersey board, and I'm also the chair for Tri-State Camp Conference. And uh, yeah, so I'm quite busy, uh, but I am really excited to talk to you today about the master's thesis I wrote back in 2010. Um, while I'm doing this, uh, as we get started, we're gonna break this into three different sections. And um, before we go any further though, I would love for all of us to actually unplug for the 25 minutes I'm gonna be speaking. So if you take your phone out and go ahead and put it in the middle of the table, you can form a nice little stack. Um, and we'll talk about why we're doing that at the end. Right? Um, if you can do it, yeah, it's totally okay if you can. Okay, great. And please, please, please eat your salad. You will not throw me off at all. Okay, so 2008, I took a training with the YMCA. It was called the Program Design Institute. And what they did is they brought in IDO, which is this design firm. And basically, they were looking at creating programming for people that they didn't know they needed. So the whole concept of it was that people think they know what they need, but they don't actually know what they need, and you need to drill down further in this process. And it was a great creative process, and I started thinking about the experiences I had in my life and what I was doing. So I actually came from the world of internet advertising. I worked for an internet advertising firm while I was in college and a year after that, and I was miserable. Everybody wanted to be Mark Zuckerberg, and so I just ended up leaving and going back to camp. Took a summer job, ended up teaching outdoor education, and somehow, next thing you know, I'm camp director, and it's been a great run since, right? So, in 2008, what also happened around this time is that President Obama was elected, and he was deemed the YouTube president, meaning that he was able to reach youth by using YouTube. So, looking at where my experience was in technology, my passion for camp, there was a great cross section of where YouTube and technology as a whole was affecting youth and, and started doing conferences on that and started doing presentations. And I ended up writing my master's thesis in 2010. So when I wrote my master's thesis in 2010, there was no data, right? There was, there was nothing. It was really just stringing together some health industry studies and stringing together some things. We knew about the impact of camp uh, that the OCA has provided, that the ACA has provided, and stringing those together to kind of show this is where it might go. Fast forward to now, to 2017, and we know what the technology is doing to children, and we know the power of camp, and really we have to, this is a pressing topic of why we need to do what we do, but also be realistic about what we could get done as well too. So we're gonna go right in. We're gonna go right into being plugged in. I'm gonna go through some statistics with you. Um, it's really important, I learned while doing my master's to make sure that the validity in the statistics that you're looking at, that anybody can bend statistics. So I tend to pull more from established sources. So this is the Kaiser Family Foundation. They focus on health. And what they did is they surveyed eight to 10 year olds. And the biggest thing they found in 2010 was that the average child, eight to 18, was having seven, hour, seven and a half hours of screen time. This number was actually five and a half hours in 2005, and in that 2005 study, they said there was no way it could go up because there's no more time in the day. Well, they found more time. And they actually believe it's closer to 10 hours when you add, they call it multimedia tasking, so when you have two devices in front of you. And this is 2010, so now 2017, I'm sure it's even higher, right? And when you look at it, 
there really is this cross-section of, of how people are now interacting with technology and it's changing how they're thinking. So we have to understand where the teen, what teens are using and, and where they are. So this is the Pew Family, uh, sorry, the Pew Research Center. This is another well-established bipartisan group that does research. And they found that 92% of teens in 2015 were going online daily. They found 88% had access to cell phones and smartphones. And they found 71% were more were active than on the one network. Meaning that our teenagers are better brand managers than we are at the age of 15, 16, 17, right? They know how they want to be represented online and they know how to manage that better than we do with our own camp pages. Look at the Girl Scouts. The Girl Scouts have actually done a tremendous amount of research. Um, this was in past, uh, in 2010, this is all about social media affecting a child. 74% of girls reported, self-reported, that they were presenting themselves cooler online than they were in person. So if you think about that, this is 2010, there's just a, a more recent study, but I, the validity still, I'm looking at it. They're constantly looking at self-esteem being underrided because they're putting themselves out there to try to be cooler than they actually feel that they are. So the, who they are as a person, the authentic person you see is the person we see at camp, and then how they put themselves online is, is another personality, right? And it goes back to this brand managing that a teenager is. When you talk to uh, people who are studying children and studying what's going on with the brain, they tell you that technology is moving so fast that they can't keep up. So Tina Bryson, who is a fantastic author and speaker, and speaks quite a bit about camp and the power of camp on a, on a child, she talks about how when they study the phone, the child's already using the watch. When they study the watch, the child's already going to be using glasses, and it's just going to keep going. So we're never going to truly know the effect of technology until it's too late. But we're seeing anecdotal evidence come through, right? So um, raise your hand if you ever played Trivial Pursuit, right? If you play with a teenager right now, if you play with a child right now, they cheat. They can't not look at their phone. And so we play at camp uh, with our family weekends, right? And we will actually shut the Wi-Fi off because they cheat. We will unplug the Wi-Fi. And it's not their fault. This is the way their brain is wired now. Their brain isn't about retaining the answer. Their brain is about searching for the answer, right? So they are, they're not doing anything wrong, but they just they can't help it. They have to find the answer. When they, they talk about the notifications that you're receiving every day on your phone, and whether it's the, the news or it's about what your social media is performing at, they talk about it in ways such as, as user, right? That's how we describe people that are using drugs, right? As drug users, right? They're talking about technology in the same way. They also talk about it in a way where lab rats are constantly getting, pressing the lever to get nourishment, right? So we're constantly getting this little ding in our pocket and that's nourishment for ourselves. And they're, and they're making strong allegations now for tech addiction. So National Geographic, this is, this is two months ago, talked about tech addiction in this, in this issue. So this is something that's becoming more and more prevalent as we go further into, into technology of this pervasive. If you look at Sean Parker, this is about a week and a half ago, he did an interview. Sean Parker is the president of Facebook. He also created Napster. He he, there's two quotes in there that really stuck out to me. He talked about this one. I'm going to read it to you just in case you can't read from the back. It, it's social validation feedback loop because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. So they designed it to exploit something that they know you needed. And then the other quote was, God only knows what's doing to our children's brains. So when I think about that, and then I look at what the New York Times put out a few weeks ago, talking about anxiety in youth, 
Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I oversee the Tri-State Camp Conference. We, that's, that's what we're focusing on right now, is the mental and emotional well-being of children. When we look at anxiety and where it's going, that this is not helping. The American College Health Association reported in 2011 that 50% of youth, or sorry, 50% of 18 to 22 year olds, our staff, right, our college age staff, are having overwhelming anxiety. In 2015, they reported it's now up to 62% in just five years, right? So all of this is just contributing, contributing, contributing. I'm not saying it's the sole reason, but it's a lot. This was on the other day on NPR, right? Talking about the link to teen depression, suicidal thoughts. Um, in, in the US, uh, the suicide has now become the second leading cause of death, the 15 to 24 year olds. Again, I'm not saying it's the actual full reason, but it's not helping. And it goes back to what technology is, right? Technology is great in a lot of ways. There's a lot of good things about technology where people get to meet people. I got to meet Travis, right? We were never met for Twitter. You know, um, I came from here in advertising world. I enjoyed what I was doing. I think there's some benefit, but it goes back to it doesn't mean that it's right, right? It doesn't mean that we should be doing it as well too. So I think when we talk about camp, we can really provide this avenue that's missing in a child's life. Um, an avenue where we can teach moderation with technology, where we can teach that you can make it a few days without a cell phone. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that in a few seconds. So we're gonna transition off of technology right now and we're gonna switch over to summer camp. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, there wasn't a tremendous amount of studies when I initially did this paper on the effects of summer camp. There was a really great study though on the effect on asthma summer camp had. And they talked about at camp for children that had asthma, that there was a social support, education, normalization, and coping, right? That we taught people that you could do things together, that there are other people in the same boat as you. And those are important things when people are, are learning about their own self-esteem and who they are gonna become as a person. There's actually a term for Japan, they call it forest bathing, where you go out and you just decompress. And they have now done studies where it lowers your blood pressure by going into the forest and just unplugging for a little bit. There was actually a study a few years ago, um, and they talked about at an outdoor education center, the power of being unplugged. So if you take away your device for five days, right, Monday through Friday, on that fifth day, you start regaining the eye contact you lost from having your device. So there is, there is studies starting to come out that are showing the benefit of it, right? And there's even a book that talked about this in it. So when I think about camp, I think of a transformational learning environment. I'm gonna give you a real example right now that we could all kind of understand that's different from technology. So at my camp, we do something called Olympics. Olympics is a cultural sharing event. It's two days long. We take the entire camp. We split up into eight different teams. Each of the teams has roughly about 80 kids on it, and it has a group of staff. And on each staff uh, team is someone from a, a country. So there's this country, this was Mexico. So there's about 80 kids on there, about 20 staff, and there's a, a few reps from Mexico. We all know all the language that's been in media about building a wall and all the hate that's been promoted with that. So you have a kid that comes to camp this past summer, only knows what they hear from the media, only knows what they see online or they hear from, from other people, and they actually get to meet somebody from Mexico and find out they're a good person and learn about that culture and celebrate that culture. And then you hope that they go home and they go, you know what, Mexicans are really good people. I met one this past summer, they're awesome. I was on a team, I have a shirt, it's great. And that's what camp is, right? They come to your place, they're with you for a period of time, and then during that period of time, 
the repeat behavior of not having your device or hearing that you're a good person or that you're gonna be a responsible adult one day or that I think you're a great athlete or whatever your program does, right? And, and so many different aspects. They go home a little bit different and that's what a transformational camp environment. Raise your hand if, if you've seen transformation in a person that's in your program, right? Yeah, so we've all seen the, seen the power of what camp could do. So this is the, the avenue we have with children. So we started actually surveying our kids at our camp, and we've been doing it for the past five years, and 94% of the kids that come to our camp feel like it was easy to live without electronics while they were with us. So we actually find that kids, going back to that design question, do they want to be separated from their device? No, but when they come to camp, they, they found it was easy, right? And so the hope is, is that they're using the device a little bit less and that they're just focusing on them a little bit more and not having to have two different online personalities in themselves, right? And that, that's the hope is that we build that confidence, that core that stays with them for their life. So now we're gonna go into fix it. How can we be this avenue for us, right? So we really need to own this. We really need to talk about how we bring people together, how they have interactions, that we play car games still, right? We need to also not fall into the, the, the traps of social media marketing. I went on a camp tour this past fall and I took this picture when I was there. They were telling me that they had a great program where they encouraged the kids to Snapchat fun things at camp and that it would promote camp and as it was going and then that would promote camp at home and they would see all the things they're missing out on. <coughs> I understand the, the reason to do it. Frost Valley has a great social media presence, right? That's what I used to work in when I worked in advertising. I, I get it. At the same point in time, is that really what the program is benefiting, right? And, that, and this camp's not filling. Like, th this is not helping the camp. But it seems like a good idea at the time. We need to be educating our staff on why. Our staff, right? Our staff have the same addiction issues. Right? For some people right now, it might be really difficult that their phone is in the middle of the table and not, not in their pocket. That, that's why we had it there, is so to emphasize that this could be hard for any age, it doesn't matter, right? And then we also, if this is addiction, we need to treat this with empathy. We need to stop viewing this as, you need to stop what you're doing and go cold turkey. We need to, to talk to children, we need to talk to families, say, yeah, we know it's hard, but the, but the reason is, is because you get this. I stand up in every open house, and um, I talk about how it's really difficult to make a friend when you have your phone in front of your face. It's really difficult to make eye contact with them and know that they're, they like you. And, and I pull it in my pocket when I'm doing that open house and the parents get it, right? And the parents want that cell phone for there. They wanna know the child's okay. They wanna be able to keep in touch, but they understand that the power of the camp experience is gonna diminish if they have that technology tether going the entire time. Um, we need to do a better job of educating ourselves, right? I'm happy I'm here speaking to you. For, for other people that wanna go more depth in the topic, this book is brilliant, right? The board and brilliant is about this topic. They talk about summer camp. They talk about that study I referenced earlier in the second chapter. Uh, the author also has a podcast called Note to Self, which is talking about humans interacting with technology. But we need to become uh, not only informed, but a, a megaphone for this if we're really going to stick to it. And then we need to be good about pre-camp communication. We need to educate our families on why. And we need to acknowledge that some parents, they don't care and they're gonna sneak it in. They're gonna sew it into the, the second telephone into the, the teddy bear. So you catch the first telephone when they walk in the door, but then they really have the secret phone inside, right? We need to unplug our internet when we have, if we're fortunate to have self-service, we need to do, take precautions to make sure that we really wanna unplug. 
And then we need to promote it, right? So as you walk into camp uh, uh, during check-in at my camp, this is what you see, right? This is the statistics from that, that study I first showed. And we play on it, right? We, we talk about, now you get a lot of time back. And then we talk about what your, your social media status should be. We acknowledge that camp is fun and it's fun to tell people, but that while you're here, you're just not gonna worry about it. And we also just make it our branding, right? We make it, you're disconnecting to reconnecting. There's a million ways you could spin it, but that we, we own it, just like I was talking about earlier. And then we also promote that, that people want to be disconnected and that it was easy, right? So for the people that are on the fence, that they know it's capable of doing. And then we also talk about the other social skills you get when you come to camp. So for this 95% of people feeling more connected to the outdoors, 90% saying they felt like their, their social skills increased, 91% saying that they felt more comfortable in a diverse environment, right? And a lot of camps are doing this, but a lot of camps are not measuring their impact. I was on this website this morning. I, I was just talking and, and there's, this is a great research section. The OCA has had some great research as well too. There are tools out there that you don't have to try hard to, to, to make this work. And then we also, the hardest part is we need to role model, right? I hear from way too many camp directors, myself included. I run my camp on my cell phone, right? I got my, we did a whole episode on apps that you need for camp, right? I got my to-do list on there, I got my weather apps. I got like, I have a whole weather section on my phone of nine weather apps, right? But we need to be conscious of how we're presenting ourselves in front of our kids. We need to be really understand that they do, that this is pain for them to be separated from their device. And when you have your device, the excuse of I need to run camp doesn't always work. And we need to be a little bit more courteous and go behind the scenes. Because they're assuming the worst, right? They're assuming that we're on social media. They're not assuming that we're checking when the lightning's gonna happen and affect programming. So I, I love this quote, right? Essentially what it's saying is that we just need to keep trying and it's not gonna be perfect. And there's gonna be moments where you get caught with your phone in there because you're texting your spouse because you haven't seen them in two days, right? But it's okay, you just keep trying and own those moments with people. And, and just keep pushing it forward and, and it works. And that's the culture you wanna create at camp. So coming it all together, right? We're never gonna win the war on technology. No, nobody wins the war on technology. Technology always wins. What we're talking about is creating a lane for us. We're talking about creating a platform for us to really be known for this. So tech-free vacations right now are going through the roof. People want mindfulness. I, I've gone to so many conferences where the, the headlining topic was mindfulness. That we want it in ourselves with leadership. The kids want that as well too. The families want that as well. We talk to Seth Godin when you read this book. This whole book, that I could sum it up with, they, it's all about distinguishing yourself from the other, other competitors. And as an industry, we should be able to distinguish that summer camp is a tech-free place where you get to connect with yourself, right? We know the impact we have. We know the values that people are walking away with camp. We've studied that time and time again. And uh, we have some great advocates in the room. We have some great advocates in, in the world of camping that will speak to that. A parent testimony will do more than anything else, right? They know the impact of it. But we need to make sure that all of our families know this that know the impact of unplugging, right? I'm gonna wrap this up with one story, then we're gonna turn over to, uh, to some questions from the audience. 
Um, so I, back in January, took my family to Disney World. And I have a four-year-old and a year-and-a-half-year-old. They're wild. They're absolutely wild. And we're waiting there for, this is, if you know, this is Fantasmic. This is the new Hollywood show. It's, it, like, it, it's lasers and it's a reenactment of Fantasia and all these amazing things. And, and there was so much hype for it. And so we got there super early, this in the stands, and we're sitting there. And it's my wife who's feeding the one year-and-a-half-year-old. The, the four-year-old, she's three at the time, and me. And I'm sitting there, and it's been a long day, and I'm kind of zoning out. I see the three-year-old grab my wife's cell phone. I don't think anything of it. And I'm just kind of sitting there, and like, just kind of like, okay, I don't have to carry anybody. It's okay, like, we could, I could be here for a few bit. And um, I know I just feel like a, I feel a ping in my pocket. And so I pull out my phone, and it says Snapchat, Allison Rijak, that's my wife's name. And I'm like, what? Like, maybe this is old. I'm like, I didn't look at my kid's phone, and I hit the button, and my three-year-old sent me a selfie. <laughs> my three-year-old, I was laughing so hard, I almost didn't get the photo in time. I almost didn't take the, the screenshot in time. My three-year-old, I wrote my master's thesis on, on plugging. My three-year-old sent me a selfie, right? Yeah, happiest place on earth. Um, Shay and I were just talking earlier. After this moment, I recognized, I was like, okay, when I get home from work, I need to take my phone and I need to put it up on top of the fridge where my kids can't grab it and I don't, I'm not tempted to look at it. I found out that my kid learned how to take a selfie from her childcare provider, so we had to have a conversation when we went there, right? Nobody's perfect and it's okay. I didn't reprimand my child in that. I just changed the environment around her, right? I just made sure that the, those elements were there a little bit slower. And, you know, I'm, it turned out my wife had one Snapchat friend. It was me. It was great. So, like, it wasn't like she knew what she was doing, but she did, you know, she just saw what other people were doing and wanted to be like that. So, I think if we create these environments where people are encouraging to be tech free, just for a period of time, I'm not anti technology. I, it was a, I still, again, made friends on Twitter, right? It's more about showing that you could survive without it. And that's, that's it. So, thank you. It's uh, 6.46 right now. I was told we have roughly 10 minutes or so for questions. So do we have any questions? I'm sure the tech guys want to ask me about some stuff as well too with overlapping. But um, yeah, please go for it, Drew. Yeah. So I'm intrigued by the signage that you showed, and, uh, and, and I think that you mentioned that that was available for people when they're entering the camp, and so they're, they're getting these messages. And I'm wondering about uh, how to translate that signage into camper-friendly language and, 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 and put it up as a messaging at your facility, or if you considered that at all, so that it's not just when you arrive at camp that you get this message that I'm bugging is good for you, but in some way you're reinforcing it along the yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, so uh, this was easier to show here, but we have done that with some of our signs. So what we did was we, uh, we took real estate signs and we had our graphic designer make them really fancy and we put them around camp. And not only about this, but just about other things about the impact of camp. Um, so that, that is, there's a way to dress it up in a, a million different ways. I do think there's a power in numbers um, of saying an overwhelming amount of people as well too. But yeah, there's a way to, to, to brand it in any way. We also use this as a way to share stories when we're going back to fundraisers, um, when we're going to promote what camp is and really use it to distinguish ourselves as well. But yeah. Did I answer your question? I think so, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, so the, so look at this. I was curious about the other messages that you share with campers around camp on 
Yeah, I, I'm happy to share our impact studies with people later on as well too. I've shared them with ACA. I'll be happy to share it with this group as well. So, yeah. What we did was we developed the tool. We took some of the work from the OCA. We took some of the work from the ACA, and uh, we took some of our own mission language and we developed the impact tool. So impact, we do a study with the kids about three months after camp has ended, so we actually know it resonates with them. This isn't when they're leaving camp. This is months later. So, yeah. Please, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so he was asking, do we, do we go extend further and actually measure the time? Um, those are great questions to ask our family. Um, uh, to be honest, we haven't gone that distance. Um, we were more concerned about survey fatigue and making sure they're filling out the whole thing. Um, but that is, a, that is a great question, yeah. Um, I, I think it's important to know. And um, I think that the power of surveying as well, when you get in this data of it, it's telling people that this was your intention that this was what you wanted out of your program. That's why I believe in the, the impact studies that you can do is because you're reinforcing the branding of what you wanted the, the program to be. Yeah, great, thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, you've, <clears throat> you've, um, you've presented the idea to parents that this is valuable and this should be done and you've worked with, the, you've said the kids that this should be done. Do you do anything specific to manage the addiction, like the pain, physical pain of separating. How do you do that leading up to the, the moment they arrive at camp and then how, like, how does the first few days manage in some specific way? Yeah, um, so for our camp, um, uh, I was telling somebody the story earlier. Uh, I got a call from one of our camp families and sh uh, the mother was really upset. And what was happening was she was getting this messaging of saying, unplug, 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 unplug. And she's fighting with her daughter right before she gets on the bus. And the counselor says to her, oh, it's okay. We, we do allow you to have a device for music at night so you can keep it in the cabin. And completely underrides the parent in that moment. Because we do, we have some children on, uh, that have a disability uh, or need an audio device in order to fall asleep. And so we do allow that in the camp cabin to stay there. There is no internet, there is no Wi-Fi there. And so for that parent to feel underridden, it was, it was really difficult. Um, what we do with the kids when they come to camp is um, we actually try to catch them as they're coming in. The, this bus counselor did not do a good job. We do a much better job on camp of making sure they're not bringing technology by the reinforcing of the signs. And uh, we are telling people that it's, it's going to be okay and that we could take time with them and talk about what that technology is. We do take some photos for camp, so sometimes if they need to be able to take a photo, we'll have them help the camp photographer. That's a, an easy way to kind of cope with it. But, um, but as a whole, a lot of it goes back to empathy. A lot of it goes back to not making fun of them that they're addicted. A lot of it goes back to like, I understand I'm in the same pain you are. Um, you know, some, of them, some people just want to know the, the sports score, right? So they want to know how the Maple Leafs are doing. That's really it. So sometimes it's, it's emailing their family and saying they want to know how the dog's doing. They want to know what's up at home. And it's more about what's going on and not necessarily the device. So those are some, some tactics of basically keeping that connection with the family at home and also um, help, helping them in different ways with the operation. Yeah. Great. 
Yeah, please, yeah. Yeah, so, so she, she said the kids get it, right? I do, I find the kids get it. The thing that I think the, the, the way we're gonna lose the war is I find that more and more parents are viewing it as a safety device. That they're viewing it as I need to stay connected to my family. Um, as we see more acts of violence in the world, as we see more things happening that uh, make it scarier, parents wanna know they can be connected to their child. And again, this is why we push the impact. So the, the parents make a conscious decision then to underwrite the independence that could grow, the, all the other benefits of camp. And that's, that's how we're using the combat. So we're not saying you're a bad parent. We're just saying, yes, but when you do that, you, you do understand that your child is decision-making is not gonna grow as much as another person's decision-making. Because if they have a device there and I could always text you and say, I need help with this, then are they ever really getting through a problem? Are they ever learning how to overcome a struggle? So that's something where it's, it's a big issue. Yeah, yeah. appropriate little ding, right? Yeah, so um, it's all right, it's all good. Um, I, please, yeah. I guess one of the things that, from a big research study done 30 years ago uh, by the American Camp Association, they found that 80 plus percent of the first year campers were registered because the mother chose the mm -hmm. camp. Yes. So, has that, are mothers choosing camps now that are unplugged or not unplugged? And yeah. has that affected registry? I, I can tell you right now, the camps that I know that are plugged in, are their enrollment's not great. I mean, that's the only anecdotal evidence I have. The camps that do allow plugging in, the, the enrollment's not great. Um, I, you know, so I still feel families value that. And that might flip, again, you know, with, with feeling, people might feel like it's security, might become the other way. And that's, that's really, I tell families all the time, we're gonna continue to unplug until I find people aren't coming to camp and then we'll address that issue. You know, that, and, and that might not mean that we're gonna let them plug in, that might mean that we just let them have their device for a half hour to communicate with home. Um, but um, in that study too, they talked about the first year, 80%, um, the family, the mom chose camp, and the second year it was the kid that chose, the, chose camp, right? So if you create this avenue where kids wanna go to camp and they know they could be tech-free, they enjoy that decompression, they enjoy their anxiety being lowered because they're not on a device, whether they know it or not, that, you know. Yeah, right? <laughs> or it's the feat of being unplugged themselves, you know? I, I, hear, I hear all the time from campers when they come to camp that they just remove themselves completely off their social media profile so they don't have to worry about some status or photo being posted that they can't manage, you know? Or they give their password to a friend and they manage their account for them. Um, that's the other thing that I hear that kids are doing, so. Yeah. Again, they're brand managers. They're, like, they're gonna be fantastic. You're gonna be hiring them to do your marketing. Um, it's, they, they know how to manage their content, right? Okay, great. Well, it's been great. Thank you for having me here. I'm happy to talk. And uh, I'll be here for the rest of the evening as well. Too. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. 
Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.